Portland is a baseball town. Our secretary didn't have anybody on the phone. (laughs) There was nobody on the phone. They were just egging me along. So they brought a little short, chubby guy in with the name Peters and put him (laughs) in my place and sent me to double A ball. Two fans, one mission to bring Major League Baseball to Oregon, fueled by Guardian Games and Athletic Field Design. This is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. Without further ado, your hosts, Ben and Dave. Hey, Dave. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's been a long time. I know. It feels like it's been forever. Yeah. (laughs) We've done a lot, but we've been in a lot of different places. Yeah, been moving around, and here we are. It's in October. Um, For sports fans, probably the greatest time of year, October, and here we are ready to go. Where are we? We are back recording in the Juster Studio. Ah, the Juster Studio. This little cavern known as the condensed office, and um, again, this is is what it's come to. No, it's a fabulous spot. Uh, I'm excited, because again, it's been a while, and I know you've missed it. I've missed it, too. I have missed it a lot, Dave. It's good to have you back on the podcast, man. Yeah, it's good to, good to see you, and thanks for your thanks for your efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, here we are, yeah. 2019, heading into 2020. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be great. Um, we want to take this episode to really talk about and highlight uh, an event that I was at not too long ago. It's called the Pesky Breakfast, and if any don't nobody, if nobody doesn't know about that, then this is the episode for you. So the Pesky Breakfast is we're a bunch of like old timers get together that either played ball were part of baseball in some way shape or form or just kind of covered different things in the sports world and they just want to get around talk baseball and the name comes from johnny pesky's family portland native i hear right yeah exactly so uh they gather around every third wednesday of the month at the McMinimins up on 23rd and Vaughn Street. Okay. So right near where the baseball stadium used to be. We need to maybe start crashing that a little more. You explored it. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, you know, we were talking all kinds of different things at this particular event. I read a story while I was there about Vince Pesky and how he went and visited his brother, Johnny, in Boston. And they said they must have signed 500 autographs for kids. And they, these guys talked about how pitchers are throwing in too many, too many fastballs, which equated to too many foul balls right now. <laughs> these guys are like it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Crazy topics. They talked about how there are too many minor league teams and that Major League Baseball needs to reduce in order to keep more talent. And it was hmm. just interesting because recently I actually read an article that uh, somebody was actually talking about this and they talked about how the Houston Astros have actually reduced the number of minor league affiliates to so that way they could actually increase um, well kind of it, manage what they have and manage words. what they have and have better talent right is what they were saying it's funny because the Houston Astros you know I remember about five six years ago, were, were the model for building yeah. a major league franchise from the ground up and, and minor league talent and recruitment. And there were all sorts of predictions that came true about how good they'd be. So it's mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, people will probably follow suit if it's uh, the Houston Astros. Well, they're saying, you know, it's really well. And look at how they've been doing since they went into the AL. 
Yeah, yeah. And they, again, they've, they've built this model. So uh, again, who, who's ever, you know, the run of the show with making decisions in terms of mm-hmm. how many franchises do we have? How many teams do we have? Where do we expand to? That, yeah. that seems to be the model. And they talked about Jack Dunn, popular Portland State University yeah. head coach oh, and, yeah. in his days. And a lot of people said, you know, how, how great he was and you know, just the in-depth and the knowledge that he has about baseball as a whole. So I thought that was really cool and be able to talk to yeah, I, I think we had we had the Duns on. We did back in the day. Yeah, they. I, I can't believe I'm saying back in the day, but you that's almost fell cool. asleep because right. we like went forever. Jeez, oh, five hour session. Yeah, it was it was nuts. <laughs> so I want to talk about um, highlight a couple different people that I met at the event. One guy is, in, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this games, but I'm I'm going to try George Galati. Uh, he was St. Lawrence Parish. He's been commenting since the existence. Of the gathering, which has been about twenty or so okay. years, he taught English. He's a retired president. Retired president at Rose. Well, yeah, no, not president, but uh, principal. Principal. There yes, I, I don't know why I put president. He's a retired principal at Roosevelt High School. He was in the Air Force in 1954, and he was eleven years at Grant High School, where he was okay. taught. He's the the father, and then. Um, the father at St. Patrick's um, Parish joined them. So hmm. the St. Patrick's interesting um, church that all of the old timers that lived in what they call Slab Town went to. Uh, so the, the the actual father comes over and joins these guys for Crazy. this meeting. Yeah. So. It, you know, we had another guy named Ken Harding. He used to go to Vaughn Street. Um, he'd go to games in right field, in the right field bleachers. Says it was the world's, he was the world's worst player. <laughs> he went to Grant High School. His father spent a lot of time watching Johnny Pesky, and he would come over and eat dinner at his house. So they talked about living on the West East Coast and talked about living in Massachusetts hmm. and that his father. Johnny Pesky would come over to his father's and his house and have dinner once in a while. Nice. Um, and also he said that the that Johnny Pesky invited his father to his house for dinner on many different occasions. He went through uh, the Naval Aviation Program in Seattle. He was stationed in Pensacola, Florida during World War II. He spent two years in service and three weeks in boot camp. He was talking about like his whole time that he went to boot camp. He's like, oh, it was really short. And I got to, you know, go to flight training school and everything. So it was really, really interesting. And um, he remembers the pitchers warming up in the bullpen at Old Vaughn Street in the field. So he's talking about that and all the different individuals that he got to see uh, warming up in right field and so on. And then he remembers a doubleheader where he got home at 3 a.m. in the morning. Ooh. There was an interesting story. And I'm sure, I'm sure specialist pitchers weren't used where, you know, I'm sure the starters yeah. went long. Yeah, no. He, he was talking about how that started at night. And then the second game was even later. And it went till, he went to home went very, very late. And he got home at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he said after that game or something with the teachers complaining and everything about how late <laughs> it went. Nice. They actually changed uh, the games to be earlier, and so that way um, they could get home sooner. Gotcha. <laughs> um, and then he said the school board would let the schools out for opening day. Then they stopped. Um, then they stopped, and then his dad wrote a letter to the superintendent about this. And uh, so he's just like, "Hey, this is like 
a yearly tradition, letting the kids out of school sure. to go f- to the first game. Because this, remember that picture that we saw of like opening day when yeah. Vaughn Street and how how you know, pop, you know how many people packed, there? Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty intense and he was just kind of talking about that and we we're talking you know about the stadium itself and he's talking about how the trolleys remember the old trolleys that were yeah. going to and from the park yeah so he, he talked about taking the trolley to and from the game and we, we were talking about how that could relate to the new stadium and he said it'd be nice to have that kind of transportation because a lot of people would use it they used it then he's like they probably use it now he's like heck i'd even use it now nice so, yeah who wouldn't who wouldn't take a trolley uh-huh I mean, yeah. And then uh, he said he would take, uh, well, he said take the streetcar to the game. Uh, but we, then we got into Major League Baseball to Portland, and we talked about the the locations. And, and everybody there is actually throwing in their input. And we talked about Terminal 2 and, and what was the likelihood and how well that would go. And, and a lot of them actually highlighted transportation as a major issue mm. to and from the stadium. Yeah. People have brought that up to me, actually. Yeah. You know, I have these conversations, and that seems to be the major theme that comes up is is accessibility, sustainability, and transportation. Yeah. And yep. they they felt like, actually, with the rumors, nothing coming out of the Diamond Project, but they were highlighted with the rumors that they would actually like to have the Lloyd Center be where the new park goes because they feel like, you know, that provides mass transportation as far as uh, the max lines – the bus routes get right off highway 84 right there it's nearby and some guys even talked about well hey you got the convention center right nearby Mm -hmm. you've got the moda center right nearby so you could actually park over at the moda center and people could walk over to the game right and you don't necessarily have to you know expand parking and maybe the only time of year only time of years would be the early spring because of basketball season and then uh, the yeah. fall time, but if we were in postseason, but w- with that said, you could schedule around NBA, right? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Lloyd Center coming up that that w- that came up in a lot of conversations too. Yeah. Um, so again, you know, uh, the, you know, we, people, we were really everyone was really excited about the industrial, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the, uh, the the terminal, the terminal, uh, you know, application in terms of uh, being being a spot. But things have maybe shifted a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of the focus groups and this and that. Um, exciting stuff. Yeah. And then he talked about going to his first game because I was asking him, I was like, what was it like to you to go to your first baseball game? And he's like, I was in, you know, awe of being able to be there. He's like, the grass, you know, the, the smell, the fans, and just being a part of something bigger than myself. He, he, he said yeah. it was amazing. And it's like one of those things that just kind of got him in into it and he he was saying that you know he hopes that that experience as far as when major league baseball comes to portland he 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 wants to see and hear about the other kids experience being to maybe a major league ballpark for the first time yeah in their life i mean we have fans that go up to seattle but to be able to just go here locally and go to a game would i be still fun. remember my first experience at uh, it was at fenway I was mm-hmm. a teenager visiting my relatives back east, and yeah. I'll never forget that. You know, it's 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 just something there. You know, did I tell you where my first baseball game was? What, what, where was it? Went to Montreal for my first major league what? game. What? Yeah, it's, when I lived in Vermont, we went up to watching the, the Expos. Yeah, we went to see the Expos players back in the day with you know Pedro Martinez on the team, Moises Vlad Alou, Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero later on, but Moises Alou and his oh, yeah. Felipe Alou was the head coach of the yeah. Expos at the time. Yep, I remember being 
really, really hot in there, and then they let mm. off some fireworks. Olympic so Stadium, was that yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. They never could open the, the actual roof of the stadium, <laughs> so it got, like, really hot. Crazy. But, you know, one of the things I missed, and I do miss about it to this day, is actually being able to go, and because I get to go experience a new town, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of people that were there, but you get to go, and the players would be right down there signing autographs and talking to you, so... Very cool. But uh, this this interesting this event's really interesting. Like I said, it's every third Wednesday of the month at the McMinimins Tavern and Pool Hall there from eight thirty to ten o'clock each month. And you know, they're they're welcoming anybody to come to these uh, event these talking. So even events. I could possibly go in. Yeah. You know, you could I, I noticed your in. hesitation there, but yes, just about anybody. So yeah. Yeah, just as long as you're not in a you know right. jail or anything. Right. Or yeah, maybe some hygiene improvements I'll be fine. But yeah. So so tell me a little bit more about how the like how this is structured, like how it works out and who who's there and this and that. So again, um you know, a lot of the there's a lot of older gentlemen that are there. The people that used to be around the game, played it, uh, or reported on it, or just guys who are the friends of the game. And some people were even like, "Well, so and so brought me because they just wanted to bring me and get more people here." And then remember Don Nelson, the guy that wrote the book on um, on Vaughn Street. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So he's there, and you know, he talks about. You know, shares what he's done with the team and or with the park and the people that he's interviewed. And we, you know, we talked once again about the research he did behind that book. And they talked about Vince Pesky and like yeah. and wanting to go, everybody to go visit him because you know he's ninety seven now, I believe. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, he, we just talked about Vince Pesky, Johnny Pesky's brother, and how when he played for the Portland Beavers, and they talked about the field and the wooden bleachers and how everything caught on fire. Yeah. Fires were very common back then, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it was a great, it was great to be able to go and, and talk to some of these and people. This is, this is monthly. I mean, yeah. this is, yeah. So this is, this is the thing. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. And they're always looking for, again, they're always looking for people to go. And participate to share your experiences, and you go and actually have breakfast. They, you know, you can pay for it. you pay for it, obviously, but you know, you go there, sit down. Uh, the McMinniman staff bring out breakfast, and then you, uh, everybody sits around, drinks coffee, and um, has a good old time talking baseball nice. around the table. Very cool. So, uh, you know, I just wanted to share that um, with everybody. I know this is really isn't a long episode, but I thought it was really, really interesting, and uh, I was glad that I went. So, yeah, it sounds, it sounds, it sounds worthwhile because again, you know, one of the, one of the major gists of this show is, uh, understanding the webbing that is the baseball fabric mm -hmm. of, of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Um, and understanding that everybody know how, you know, has something to offer in terms of stories and connections and perspectives. And again, it's, it's one of the things, it's one of the cool things that, that, um, you know, when we started this just over a year ago, you know, in terms of understanding like who we were going to be interacting with and what this mm -hmm. looked like, understanding that everybody has something value to, uh, valuable to offer and contribute yeah. and, and everyone has a validity, you know, everyone, everyone connected to baseball mm -hmm. has a validity in their own way. And I think that's something that people often forget, right? It's as, as we apply status to this and status to that, but yeah. there's a, there's an authentic and organic validity to um, the people that have 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 a passion for baseball, um, 
and, and a connection to baseball in many different ways and many different layers. So yeah. I, 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 these are, these are things that I've learned about in the last year. It's been yeah. fantastic. You know, what's great about this all. And I think you'll agree with this is that everybody wants to share their story. Sure. It's, it's living knowledge and, you know, father time's batting a thousand and eventually, <laughs> yeah, eventually we're, we're, we're not going to be here, but our audio will be around for eternity as long as it's not done away with. But, you know, these stories are, and it's just great being able to sit down and hear them and listen to what they have to say and just kind of pick their brain. Because a lot of these guys are, you bring back a lot of different memories once you start getting them going. I'm, I'm excited actually to have new guests, but also repeat guests that we didn't have enough time with, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So, um, and again, as we, as we continue this, this thing rolling, and people t- throwing tons of names out there, but to have some some people that have more to offer, yeah. you know, and and even you know, and contribute again, you know, people mm-hmm. people want to come back, which yeah. is cool. Um, you know, we're talking about returning guests and people that we've had on. I don't really think that we've actually taken some time since this person's passing. But uh, while we're while we're at it, uh, you know, it just I know the Northwest Baseball Coaches Association events coming. Coming up in January mm-hmm. of 2020, we're October right now as we're recording this, October 2019. Um, but you know that event's coming up, and there's going to be one person that's not going to be there this year, and that's been there every year was Coach Jerry Gatto. Yeah, um, Jerry Gatto, uh, one one of our one of our earlier guests, mm-hmm. um, just just tremendous influencer, and again as an as a lifelong educator and and coach and. I, I still remember that episode, you know, where we discussed coaching philosophy and psychological changes in the 1970s and mm-hmm. 80s, and how he was really a pioneer and a forefront in yes. terms of understanding not just baseball coaching, but athletic coaching and individual motivation and the psychology of coaching, mm-hmm. um, and just just a just a just a warm guy who contributed a ton. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll remember that, that instance, um, in his living room and just the, the impact and, and how ahead of, a, ahead of things he was yes. as a, as a, as a reflective practitioner coach, right. Mm-hmm. As a coach who, um, did, didn't necessarily follow the herd and buck trends and, and really delved deeply into the psychology of coaching. Yeah. I think I came away with that one, that particular, those particular two episodes, because we, we, we'd spent some serious time with Coach Gatto. Sure. And I, I think I came away with a different vision about coaches and, and just the mentality behind it. And just like you said, how far in advance he was <sighs> as far as the way that he coached, the way that he dealt with his athletes. You know, it's funny. The impact was me. I started after that episode reflecting more on, you know, I'd coached high school wrestling for 20 years, reflecting on that and also reflecting on how I uh, related to and uh, worked with my own son as an athlete and, mm-hmm. and as who is my, both of a son and an athlete and how I talked to him versus, yeah. and I remember that, that, that influencing my kind of relationship and interaction with my own mm-hmm. kid and reflecting on 20 years of high, high school wrestling coaching. And, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lasting impact. It really is. 
And I'd say if you haven't done it yet as a listener of the podcast or if you're brand new to the podcast, I'd say go back in and jump in and listen to that. It's available wherever on the platform, wherever you've got this particular episode, wherever you're listening to it. Um, I highly encourage you uh, to go and listen to Coach Gatto's words and what he has to say. I think it can improve us all. And yep. not just as coaches and not just as parents, but as human beings. You know, we, we throw that term mentor around and I think it gets a little cliche. And I think I think we over apply the term mentor in, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, influence beyond just just the playing field. But it was pretty apparent that his mentor influence was powerful and extensive. Yeah. Right. That that was made apparent. And I I had never actually met Mr. Gatto. Uh, before that, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because again, I think sometimes we we tend to overapply that, and and man, it was clear that the influence was significant. Yeah, exactly. You know, and he reminds me in a way just of like the coaching. You know how they talk always about these coaching trees. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very popular now. Yeah, sure. it kind of reminds me of like how they always talk about the Bill Parcells coaching tree. You right. got Belichick that's come out of him. You've got. Right. Um, Andy Reid in Kansas City, and you've got various other coaches that have been that trickled down from the Bill Parcells, call it the Bill Parcells effect, but trickled down from his coaching tree and have taught others, and they've gone on to learn. So it, it reminds me of sports writers and sports broadcasters and how they talk about Bill Parcells and they put him up on this level and how he was able to teach the next generation of coaches. Yeah, and I think you know you say coaching tree, but let's. Let's not undersell that, and let's think. Let's think a mentor tree. Mentors yeah. creating mentors, right? This whole notion of paying it forward, kind of community responsibility, mm-hmm. and paying it forward. So, coaching tree, yeah, mentor tree. I yeah. mean, really. And the biggest thing in is is believing in oneself. That's my biggest takeaway from Coach Gatto was believing in myself and believing in my team and believing in the people around me. Yeah. Yeah, and letting him know that you believe in him. Yeah. So uh, again, just uh, you know, um, kind of a heartfelt thanks, right, to the mm-hmm. family and um, and an appreciation for allowing us access. And yeah. there it is. Yeah. So thank you to the family of Coach Gatto. We we really appreciate you allowing us into your home, allowing us to have having spent the time that we did and recording with him and. And you could see his his face light up any time that you know we went around. We saw him; he'd be really, really happy and, yeah. and cheerful. So, thank you. Yeah. So that'll that'll do it for this particular episode. Uh, we are actually going to be kicking forward next week and uh, talking about a Portland Maverick. Oh uh, no! Back to the Mavericks. Back to the Mavericks. But I think that we're going to have. Uh, an actual guest host with us. Oh, I like that. So I hope you stay tuned for next week's episode and the week after because we're going to do two episodes on this particular individual. I think you're going to like it, man. I, I know you're going to like it. Yeah. Well, Dave, hey, thanks a lot uh, for joining me yet again and uh, appreciate you uh, working with me on this. Ben, I appreciate you, brother. All right. Well, wherever you're at, we hope you have a great day. Peace out.